You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys, and welcome to 2024. If you're listening live, I am so happy to be with you and getting to talk about the Big Five assessment today as we pair that with our Enneagram and marriage learning. So geeked out for this journey together. I love multiple personality, not multiple personalities, <laughs> multiple personality tools so that we can continue to get to know ourselves as best as possible and for the purposes of growing so that, yes, we can know and love ourselves just as we are and our partners. Oh my gosh, that's so important. But also to be able to be more expansive and to grow. And the big five as a topic today found me versus me finding it because I was working on one of these traits, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I wanted to give you the heads up that we're going to be talking about all of the big five traits today so that you can understand. Usually people love Enneagram here, of course, but this one is the most widely accepted test in the scientific community amongst personality studies because it comes from a lexicon of many words from a word bank and it's on a spectrum so that you can say, oh, I'm 60% this versus 40% this. And that's something that people enjoy more than a binary of I'm only a type seven, I'm only a type two. But you know, we work really hard here on this show to also allow you to think through your Enneagram with arrows and wings and if you ever look at Trudy, who has uh, measures for all of these two tests, as well as Myers-Briggs, a very popular test, and the DISC, they remind us all the time that it's important that you realize each test has its own special place. And so this test may have a great place for you as you're learning and doing goal getting with me this 2024, even as you keep your Enneagram types in mind. So that's what I do. But this one kind of came to me, as I said, as I was looking at at the trait of openness. I talk about it in my Substack this week. If you haven't gotten onto my Substack for writing yet, that's where I spend time at the end of the week, really allowing some deeper dive processing together. So I encourage you to get going there and I have that in the show notes for you. But but really, I'm gonna go over the five traits and then link it to some Enneagram uh, underpinnings that I've noticed amidst just looking at the two together as well. So hopefully we'll land with you getting some tips for your new year or whenever you're watching or listening so that you can really allow yourself to grow in a very specific measured way. So I love that because then we can look at the next year and say, oh my gosh, did any of that growth happen? And give ourselves grace if it didn't. Sometimes that happens. But let's be honest, everybody during the holidays gets a little off-centered. So it's really nice rhythm that our society has developed to say, like, let's try to shore ourselves up. Let's try to gain and glean and do something healthy as we come into the new year. That's a great reset, however long it lasts. So 
uh, let's talk about these five traits in just a moment. Before we do that, I just want to let you know that next Thursday, we're starting the Enneagram and Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together and Your Unique Pairing, um, our class. So I'm going to be teaching that live over Zoom, and I'm really excited to host you there. Use the code 100 for $100 off. I'm so excited. I already had some people sign up, and I'm grateful that we get to do this together. Also, uh, we'll continue to journey together through uh, this course that was based off my book after this first round, too. I'll make it evergreen. But a lot of people really like to interact and talk with somebody live. And I find a lot of value in that in terms of when I'm trying to learn something, to have somebody there to ask questions is so key. So I'll be there and I'm grateful we get to do this. So that's also in the show notes. Now let's talk about the big five. So as I mentioned, there's a lexicon of words that we're looking at that people have over many years decided together that people fit into certain categories. Uh, and and like I said, some of sometimes it's on a spectrum rather than just, oh, you do or you don't at all have any extroversion or you do or you don't have these other traits too that I'm going to share. And a nice acronym you can use if you're trying to remember the big five personality traits are is OCEAN or canoe, but I'm going to go with ocean here. And that is the scale measuring openness for the first one. And of course, if you're thinking openness versus not being open, being more rigid, and then I'll just go on and we'll go through them all individually, but openness, and then we have conscientiousness, and then we have the extroversion scale, and then we have the agreeableness scale, and then the end for neuroticism scale. And so we'll go through them now as a whole analysis. So you can look to see if any of these words really stands out to you for something you need to grow in this year. And I'll even do some Enneagram underpinnings right here with them. So the openness scale, of course, measures whether you're open and allowing new learning. And this was the scale that actually caught my eye this year. I've been noticing it. I've been reflecting. I always love to do that at the end of the year. Maybe you even got my email. Hopefully you're on my email list. If not, go over to Enneagram and Marriage and get on it because I sent out some questions to just help you process through your end of the year, just where you've been at and where you want to go. And something that kept standing out to me was the word allow and openness. And just uh, that's what I shared about in the Substack because I was really reflecting on that, just how much I want to do this, how much that's an important value that helps actually couples. We have seen some of that in studies too, that being open tends to make you have a healthier marriage. And it does not mean open marriage. It means a marriage that allows you to consider the other person's perspective, even if you don't agree with it, just to know we're different and we have different ways of seeing the world. And I can learn from you and you can learn from me versus I'm rigid, fixed mindset. I'm not going to learn. So on the scale, ironically, this even my recent test that I just retook today for big five shows that I'm 92% open. That's my most high trait. Uh, and I get that because it's also a measure of, you know, these kinds of problem solving that I like to do or creative thinking. But what was funny is this is the one I still feel like I need to grow the most in. So I need that 8% means a lot to me. <laughs> so I'm working on that 8% really hard with you this year. And my word is allow. And it's probably because um, I'm also very self 
self-pres on the Enneagram scale. So I don't think openness and self-pres go super well together. So we'll talk more about self-pres and what I do think that fits with in the big five. But I really think that in terms of generally speaking, most of us, if we have the trait of openness, then we also on an Enneagram level have more of that sexual instinct thriving where we're like, I'm just open to what my partner's doing. And I can even be more agreeable and I can allow myself to merge with them a little bit easier and I can allow myself to let and to be. And I'm reminded of, yes, first of the year reference has to be Lord of the Rings, the Lady of Galadriel, the Mary figure in the uh, the story where she says, you know, what she really wants more than anything in life is to let what will be, be. And I think people who have a high openness are doing this or learning to do this. So if you're anything like me, then I want you to put this on a little bit more and to challenge yourself instead of being rigid and controlling and fixing everything on what you want to allow that what is will come and you do your planning. Don't just do rhythms, do some actual planning. And we'll get into that when we talk about conscientiousness. Um, but definitely allow yourself to realize you're not God and you have to allow things to happen to you and to be open and adapt. And remember, we do have neurogenesis. So with that said, like I said, I think it lands itself with that sexual instinct a little bit in the Enneagram world of being adventurous and willing to try things and attract and also merge. Um, but I also think that it lines up with the uh, the three sevens and eights a little bit, generally speaking, that they're a little bit more like, hey, let's go for it. Um, and let's let's have some fun and try the new thing. So that's usually what you're going to see as an anagram correlate. Now, let's go on to the next letter here of ocean, and that was conscientiousness. So when I think of conscientiousness, and you probably feel this way too, you think of order and organized and follow through. And there's a lot of studies that tell us this has a lot to do with longevity as a person. This has a great mark for being healthy with career and body and it, it mental health um, because being conscientious means that we're taking care of our self-care. And so there's a bit of a correlatory with the self-pres instinct here to say, oh my gosh, like I know how to take care of myself and basic self-care is necessary for me to build up others. And I think that if we're thinking of conscientious types out there that really care about doing their part and working hard and being industrious, then I often think of the one two, six, or the one, three, five. And I'm just pulling it some different triads, but I'm thinking of these groups of people who are looking at how do I either culturally get along like the one, two, six, or the one, three, five, just how do I become, uh, you know, logical in my thinking and in my wiring. So this might be a trait you're high in if you're one of those types, but also understand we're more than just our types and we're more than just this big five trait. So that's something for you to look at to see if you need more conscientiousness in your life to say, this is not an area I'm super good at. Um, so how can I add that in? Well, maybe you need to go back to James Clear's Atomic Habits, which was my January episode from last year, and really look at that to say, like, what could I bring in, not just rhythms, but structures and knowing this will help me mentally to get these new routines in place. And I was just reminded by my friend, neuroscientist, Dr. Chrissy Thomas uh, from Canada. She said that, I hope you follow her on Instagram if you don't. She said, try to do just very small iterations of new things and give yourself a reward at each new interchange when you're trying to become more conscientious and routine-based. So keep that in mind and also keep, like I said, that self-pres in mind a little bit. Also some social. Um, but the caveat with that is if you're just 
just conscientious, but not really looking at the depths to see like, am I doing the right thing or am I just kind of plugging along? You could actually be part of an unhealthy social mechanism where you're driving forward for something like greed or money or just not in not a good way, um, but in a selfish way, like, oh, everybody in my culture just is greedy. So I am too. Or everyone in my culture hates this certain people group. And so I do too. So it's important you look to see where does your conscientiousness get its its value and make sure you do take time in your busy industriousness to find value. Um, so the next scale is the extroversion scale. Um, so how extroverted are you versus how introverted are you? And that's an important one if you're finding yourself in a hole where you're just super introverted. Um, I think I can find myself there sometimes to really come back to that extroversion side and allow yourself to see that on a scale, extroverts do tend to have a happier countenance. Of course, this is on a scale. And we know there's a lot of people that are like, no, trust me, I'm so much happier by myself. But if you're ever like, why am I not happy? And you've been wallowing in an introverted space. This is a really good research-based indicator that you might need to come back more towards some of your extroversion and make that one of your goals. Even if it's just a small goal, like I'm going to sign up to deliver a meal once a year, or I'm going to uh, meet a new friend online, even if it's not in person, something that just causes you to expand a little bit. This is important. And even if it's not just the way I said now, I've had clients say that to me like, oh no, you gave me an assignment to like meet somebody and that's not me. Um, understand that you'll find your rhythms for adding this extroversion in. And it will help you to find a mate too, or to keep your mate if you're in that space. Because I think this also uh, correlates with not just the social instinct, but the sexual instinct to be a little more extroverted in that way. And I think, again, we come back to the three, seven, eight in this way of those people who are tending to be out there a little bit more to say, yeah, 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 let's do this. Um, there's always going to be uh, people who struggle with that, like myself. So it's important to allow yourself to take steps little by little to come toward something healthy and then to come back. This one is one of those skills where it's like introversion has its place. And I think they're all like that. Like you don't want to be overly conscientious where you forget what's important, like I said, on your values, or you don't want to become so open that you forget about healthy boundaries. So every one of these has a temperance that you'll want to pay attention to as well. So, okay, so we've talked about O, C, and E. Now we come to A, agreeableness. And that agreeableness scale is also very important to marriage satisfaction because it's great to find out how much you can get along with others. But I will give this caveat that women who were high in agreeableness sometimes were a little more neurotic at times. And we haven't talked about that one yet, but we will in a moment. But I want you to understand that why I'm saying that is make sure you're not so agreeable if it isn't true. Um, and I could add that I think Enneagram nines could fall in this place, twos and sevens. And I've kind of come into this positivity triad. I'm just trying on some of the different triads. Um, but I think that it's important to look at your Enneagram if you're less familiar with this big five and just say, oh yeah, if I'm a nine, seven or two or somebody else that feels like they're super compliant, uh, just maybe out of that, like we don't like anger sometimes is nine, sevens and twos. And we're like, oh my gosh, like I'll do anything to get along, but you won't get what you need sometimes if you're overly 
really agreeable. So yes, it can bode well for marriage if you're not that thoughtful, but if you're a deep person, you have to do a little bit more digging and and some honesty. And that's always hard for me, but it always is very worthy when I do come clean and share my honest thoughts. So just make sure you do that and that you allow for that to happen at least monthly. Uh, Often the four-week cycle might be a great place for you to just every, you know, every month share that. And then of course, also understand maybe that's an extreme version of you, but there is some truth when you're saying, oh, I'm crying and I'm all of a sudden upset and I'm not as agreeable. Maybe your spouse and you can do some growing that week. Okay. So otherwise, make sure that you know that the last letter here is N and that is for the neuroticism scale. How much you care about pleasing others, how much you care about making sure you're safe. Um, and and safety is very important for those high on the neuroticism. Uh, now, if they're really socially agreeable and they don't care and they're just like laissez-faire and they're just like, oh, whatever you want, then that's going to be the opposite. But in terms of neuroticism, when you're just like, I'm so self-pressed that all I can think about is that instinct and taking care of me and making sure I'm not anxious and depressed, but then I keep continuing to find myself anxious and depressed. This is sort of a downward spiral of looking in introverted way too much. And that's why I was encouraging you to try to be more expansive and social, even though it's hard and you need the balance. So notice that there's good to the neuroticism scale in this sense that if you are uh, neurotic, you're probably also really good, like I said, at making sure that you're staying safe and keeping others safe around you. Probably have some six traits at times, like where you're like, I can definitely troubleshoot and see what's up ahead. I can forecast that uh, in a very logical manner or sometimes emotional reactive. It could be that we looked at the four, six, and eight here when they're in that reactivity space. Could be that we looked at those thinking types, the five, six, seven, who are troubleshooting a lot. There's a lot of ways we could go. Um, we might even look at that four, five, nine group of those withdrawal who, withdrawing types who say, I'm out of here. This is too much stress. I'm not going to deal with you. Um, but what we really want to do more than just pinpoint Enneagram types is to say the people who can manage themselves well and allow for healthy self-soothing in their lives when they come to that fight or flight space will do better in life. And, but keeping that mind on the fact that neuroticism does help to keep us alive, that fight or flight system is very important and good is important too. So as we look at you, now that we've looked at these scales and I will read them again, just one more time for you to get that sense of, wait a minute, which one do I need to work on the most? Because you can't work on them all at once, but it's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, um, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So as you heard me say, I feel like I need to work on openness. It's it's blocking me from some things right now. So even if it's high for me, it needs to be higher because I can still, even in that 92%, I could still find this 8%, like I'm really locked up there and I wanna be as healthy as possible. And I need work in the others because quite honestly, those were all in the 60% range for me. So I can see though that I like that for the extroversion, introversion. I'm like, oh, I'm still hanging on to my 40% introversion. I think I kind of need that. So I'm okay with that and the conscientiousness like I think that I balance my husband out who's very conscientious and so sometimes I'm like oh I'm going to help you to be an independent thinker and you're going to help me to um, go with the flow in terms of order and structure and so I can see the other ones at least in my life where I'm like okay um, I'm still like I said 60% neurotic so for that one I think I do need to work on that one too and that's sort of my lifelong learning as somebody in the thinking department and then agreeableness I'm actually once again kind of glad that I have 
high agreeableness, but there's also that 40 or so percent that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, how can I become more open? It goes with that openness scale for me to allow for differences and to be more agreeable in that way without compromising what I need to feel safe as a human, what I need to feel loved and to feel unique. Um, not just because for the sake of being unique, but to be seen for who we are is important, I think, at the end of the day. So even as we're growing, we're also reminded just as your spouses, as you are, as your people are, love them in that way and find a bridge for what you can do in that relationship now today. Even if it's not a lot, it might be that the people in your life, there's some that you're like, okay, there, um, I used to do this exercise with young girls all the time, but and boys, but just where you almost have an orbital with yourself in the middle, not because you're most important, but because you're you and you're as important as your friends, but you have uh, these orbiting lines around you. And then you see like, who's close to me and what do I want for that relationship? Do I want these planets sort of orbiting me to be like coming around again and again and again, or do I need to move that one out a little bit because they are so hurtful every time that they knock me down? Or no, this is a consistent person and I just need to learn how to work with them and uh, learn how they work, learn how I work so that we're working together versus it's all about me. So I think it could be a healthy exercise for you to look at your relationships in terms of which ones are most important for you to grow as you think of these big five and which ones are still troubling you and you might need even more boundaries even after you're like, I already moved them out. They're like in the farthest orbit out, but we don't seem to work together. We don't seem to be a fit for friendship or otherwise. That's okay too, to come to that understanding and know their seasons for certain relationships, but don't give up right away. Make sure you allow for some agreeableness and some openness for change. Make sure you allow for the conscientiousness of protecting and preserving relationships because it's the right thing to do. Allow your yourself some neuroticism to know what's wrong and how could I find it, but not to let neuroticism take over. Allow yourself to see that you guys are worthy to have healthy extroversion together when you find out what you're good at doing together. And so in marriage, I would just add to that, that these traits are fun to work on because they help you in your marriage to be better friends and better lovers to be able to say, I accept and learn about you and I love you. And yet I'm calling us both to continue to grow. Like that's really cool because you're not hitting stagnancy. You're not hitting walls. And if we looked at that from an instincts perspective, if you happen to hear last week's episode, you'll know that's part of the sexual instinct. So if you'd like to find out which of these big five traits you are strong on and where you might also need a look, Go ahead and take that test at Truity. I'll put it in the show notes. Also make sure that if you just need help because you're like, it is January and we did not have a good holiday or we're not in sync or we're just not flowing. We don't have the deep connections. Please join my class. I am so excited to meet you and to get to help you thrive. And that's January 11th and I'll have it in the show notes and you can continue to take that class even after our live portion if you're listening later. So thank you so much for joining me. Take a nice deep breath as you just process one thing from today's episode that you'd like to work on. Very excited for the array of people that we have already sharing in our vault. Cannot wait to release some episodes to you. Also some new ones I'm really looking forward to recording. So I'm grateful for this new season together. We are in season six of our podcast. If you can believe it, I cannot believe it. So grateful 
for over 400 episodes with you. And make sure you take advantage of those Wednesday subscriber episodes if you're just like, I need some coaching stat. I am there for you also with very specific, tangible teaching tools each week. So I will see you soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramInMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.